You are now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. everybody welcome again to another edition of lost and rewound right here on radio free brooklyn we are here every thursday from 3 to 4 p.m i am alan and i will be here this week with will and Catherine, as well as our guest for this week abigail truitt before we begin i just want to remind everybody that or the one person yeah i'm talking to you <laughs> that you can listen to us on the go on the rfb app for Android or iPhone, just consider it. Just consider downloading the free mobile app for iPhone or Android at the respective app store for iPhone or Google Play Store. Download it. It won't take up much room in your device at all. If you want to sign up for our newsletter, you could do so as well at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter. You can sign up to keep up to date with new programming, upcoming RFB events, interviews, ticket giveaways, special offers on RFB, swag, swag, and much, much more. So sign up for that newsletter at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter. If you have been getting the newsletter updates, you are well aware of our RFB Teen Squad. That's right. It is an after-school program for local teenagers designed to learn media literacy through media making using a hands-on approach guided by local professionals. If you'd be interested in participating or donating to this fantastic program, please go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash teen squad. And remember, all your donations are tax deductible. And now, we begin. That the, like, that's that's your impression of the theme song. It was my improv version of the theme. Your song, improv. Yeah. It's not, not 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 too shabby. Thank you. We're here. We made it for another edition of Lost and Rewound. Officially, yes, I, indeed. Joining me as always is as you heard, Mr. Will Hasty. Why, thank you. And Miss Catherine Dunn is also back here again. Boom. Oh and yeah. Our guest this week is a talented young woman who has been many uh, has worn many a hat. I should know about this. I've worn many a hat in my years. She is an MFA from the Actors Studio at Pace University. She has worked on Common Goods. She is now working to be a hairdresser and a stylist. Uh, she's So she's doing many a thing. But uh, more importantly, she is a dear, dear friend to both myself and my wife. Uh, so a longtime Aww. family friend who has uh, stuff to share with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, Abigail Truitt. Hello Yay. there, everyone. Hello, Welcome. Abigail. It's Hello. a it's a fantastic to have you here uh, amid the the ranks of uh, our crew, ragtag crew of <laughs> misfits and miscreants. Our ragtag crew here in the rec room. That's right. You've been listening to the show for actually some years because yeah. that's Aww. all you hear me talking about. You had, as I teased, uh, some footage that we'll get to later that you got digitized. How did you come up? with all this footage actually i stole it from my mom's house you stole <laughs> the footage of which we are going to be listening to today wait i just want to stole like like went home and said really hey mine. mom i'm just going into the garage for no reason no. I, was a heist and I, was I just mad. like slid it <laughs> i slid it aside uh -huh. you know 
Um, are they aware? That well, you my took mom this? is very possessive of objects and especially things that I might be in. Ah. But I mean, I'm in them. And Sensible. one of them, I mean, is, you know, a play that was literally just recorded at my college, like my undergrad, because I was in it and like I have it. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it's not, it belongs to me. It's mine. It's yours. It's exactly. Your, so I didn't really steal property. it, but I kind of still had to steal it. So was this in storage at the house you grew up in or was this um, like at, in the middle of it a shrine? It was open enough. It wasn't a you. shrine. Um, it was one of those things where like we had 10,000 VHSs, you know, like in a like neat slash haphazard fashion. Okay. And then also some DVDs. So it was like a lot of stuff. So you can't really tell. If something's gone, you were you, you were doing plays as early as college, or you, you were doing plays from even earlier. Oh, than that. my first play was a 4-H play, and it was about recycling. I was probably like no five or something, and I played a mom. You played a mom <laughs> at five. Me, I'm also five one right now. Perfect. <laughs> at my full height. When when did you, wait? When did you stop growing? <laughs> when I was eleven. Okay, that's that's that, that's actually pretty young for stop to when you stop growing. No. Yeah. yeah. Aw, standing okay. tall at five one. I was always meant to be little. <laughs> Where did you grow you up? Know. In New Jersey, um, as Joy-Z. Alon's wife Robin would say, the wilds of New Jersey. The wilds of Jersey. <laughs> um, it's really the best way to describe it because if you think of New Jersey, a lot of people think about sewage or like plants oh. of like disgusting, you know, Chemical pollutants fires. and things like that. Yeah. Super sites. Um, any kind of New Jersey smells really bad smells, but like where I'm from, it's like. Basically, like the gorgeous parts of Pennsylvania with, you know, the big mountains and there was a stream in my yard growing up. It was all just like, you know, this, oh, I'm the frolicking throughout the yard. You know, I used to like eat mint that grew by the stream. You used to. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. I still eat mint. Wait, just like walk over, pluck, in (laughs) mouth. Oh, so good. It's delicious. You guys should eat mint. I'm serious. If you like mint, you know, My, grow it. That's, wait, or grow it. Wow. Grow it and eat it. Yeah, I grow it. You should eat it. I wouldn't eat it out because I'd be like so scared that there's pee on it. No, no. Oh. My godmother, I see that. My godmother grew uh, a mint bush, and one of the first things she ever taught me, how, she ever showed me how to do, that was like my first memory of her, was this is a mint bush. Pluck, put this in your mouth. And I was like, this is, this is kind of gross. I love it. At least with my mint plant, I know there's pee on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, Cause, cause I didn't have any any pee on mine. Did you? Um, <laughs> I don't you, think you grew up in New Jersey, but uh, you, but the college you were just mentioning that you did this play at, you you went to school, undergrad in Maryland. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so the Eastern Shore of Maryland, Salisbury University. It had just turned from Salisbury um, State College, which people thought was like Salisbury Steaks. And then it changed to Salisbury University, and now it's like this enormous school. But it was much—it was small, much smaller than it's a state school. Did they invent Salisbury steak? Uh, no. I know it's a great question, though. (laughs) (laughs) Really good question. Uh, Well, okay. So you've been living in New York for quite some time, really. Even before, did you move to the city to go do uh, grad school? Yes. So I moved here for grad school for acting. I my whole life I wanted to be on Broadway. I mean, who doesn't want to be on Broadway? That's, I, how, I that's what not. I think. Yeah, not, not, but not, 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 yeah. I know nobody doesn't. Um, I love Broadway. I love, I love the dramatic. I love the stage. I have no desire to do film or television unless really? I ever got lucky enough to be on SNL. 
That's the one thing I would want to do, which is part of why I want to go to UCB or something. Yes, come to UCB. <laughs> exactly. We're like polar opposites. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. wait. Well, I mean, you you did pit, right, as well. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I've done stage, but before I ever got on a stage, I'm like, I don't want to do stage. Like, I, my dream was to be in film and television and not do stage, huh. anything yeah. on a stage with a live audience. Well, what was it about your upbringing, Catherine, that gave you that opposite <laughs> effect as Abby has? Um, I, probably just not liking people. <laughs> that is a good okay. one, though. Just gotta say, my only experience reason. with Catherine, my only experience with Catherine has either been, was primarily nothing but stage and radio. That's it. Mm. So, like, I've only ever known you as a stage performer. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. When I that's first met you, part, though, yeah. when I first Amazing. met you, Catherine, you were telling me about all the background work that you were doing. Um, Abby, would you ever do background work if you had the opportunity? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely would love to do a lot of different stuff. You know, obviously in New York, it usually doesn't just like get given to you, no. you know, and I think like if it's not something that if I'm going to have to work really, really, really hard, then it has to be what I really, really, really want, hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. What you've really, really wanted to do has changed uh, quite uh, dramatically, uh, ab- abundantly over the years. Yeah, exactly. Very dramatically. Um, so you get here, you have this amazing experience of working uh, amongst you know many uh, talented individuals such as yourself in a very rigorous uh, acting uh, grad school program, uh, and that was at Pace yeah. University. That was the actor studio, the infamous, yes. the, the infamous, the famous actor studio. Yeah, the James Lipton. Yeah, you know, <laughs> inside the actor studio. Today yeah. on Lost and Rewound, <laughs> we shall be engaging with Abby and yeah. her many acting talents. Just let them know that you have a lot of pieces of paper. <laughs> You know, blue cards yeah. stacked like five feet tall. Oh, wow. They are going to ask me. You know, because he would always have that's like his signature thing. Yep, yep. What kind of que- what kind of questions? Also, the comb over. Oh, so or many. The almost Did he color. ask you any almost. questions? Oh no, no. He does. He's the dean emeritus, so he's not even. He's not like the current. Emeritus. He's not the guy who's there at the school. I mean, he would come to like our final repertory season performances, like when we're about to graduate. Yeah, he would be there, so he would see you perform which is pretty cool the only one thing that we could do with him which i couldn't do because i was a full-time real estate agent and a full-time grad student but he was basically um he would offer this thing where you could come and do the editing because we would film these you know shows and it would start the filming would start at like 7 Mm p.m and it would be over sometimes at 2 Uh a.m and so you're there the whole time watching this one person be interviewed like super thoroughly and then he would do this meticulous editing to like make it the show that everybody watches ah God, i know a thing or two about awesome i know a thing or two about that meticulous editing but to see james lipton do that i mean he's inside the actor studio was one of the things that like kind of hooked me on yeah. acting i remember the first and only time and i think you actually were responsible for hooking uh, robin and i up with this we saw the family guy voice uh voice yes. voice cast yes you were there you were there too? Town Hall? Not Town Hall. It was at... No, uh, Inside the Actor Studio. It was at oh, the Pace. Okay. Yeah. It was an interview with the cast at Inside the Actor Studio. It wasn't Studio. everybody. Um, unfortunately, Mila Kunis couldn't make it, but uh, it was... God. Um, Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane, Mike Henry. Yeah. Um, Seth Green. Uh, was Alex Seth Green there? Alex Borstein was, was there. Yes! Oh, she's so And I'm very happy because she's phenomenal. Um, she's so, so fucking so talented. Amazing, right? yeah. She's so fucking talented. I think she's that's so amazing. Something yeah. we can all agree on is that yeah. Alex Borstein. Oh, my God. She deserves everything no that she got. No one's coming after Miss Swan. 
And well, marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she oh, does. marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she's incredible, and she, also oh workaholics. God. What she plays, um, she plays what's his name's uh, squirting wife. What? Oh my god, Amazing. I have to go and watch that again. Yes. Like before, I realized totally who she was. Like, oh my god, I have Wait, to watch know, it again. I, I tell you, I tell you everything. <laughs> Miss, Miss Wong from Mad TV. From from Mad TV. <laughs> yes. Oh, she's God. incredible. Uh, okay, so uh, so good. The paper come out. When you <laughs> being in such an amazing program and getting to be a fly on the wall, even for some of these tapings, was there any particular actor who looked walked like through the man. doors? Excuse me. They look, look like, like a man. man. <laughs> they look like a man. They look like a man. Any particular actor that really like that you gravitated towards that like you learned so much from. I mean, I guess if I have the chance to say multiple, I'll try sure. not to do too many. But um, I mean, Laura Linney was a really big deal for me because she's my favorite actor. Like, the best. I love her so much. And the she's best. the only one that came on the show who has an undergrad and an MFA mm-hmm. in acting. And I mean, an MFA at all, yeah. let alone like, I mean, most people, a lot of actors like don't have an undergrad degree, you know, like they just mm-hmm. went into it. Um, which I think in some ways is really smart. You save money and you can just study classes, you know, at places. Um, but I love that she, you know, got the MFA. Um, her dad, Romulus Linney, famous playwright. So, um, that's like also like an interesting thing because she could talk about that. Was your father a writer? My father is an actor. Um, he's not, he doesn't act currently, but he went to Emerson College for acting and that was he was my inspiration. I actually got in there, but didn't go because yeah, I was going to say how I, um, many other programs did didn't you get want into? to. Well, um, it's not that I didn't want to go there, but it was so much money, and Salisbury is like much less money, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. also a really wonderful program and like understated, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I applied to ten undergrad schools, and then for grad, was it <laughs> um, more than just but the for one? grad school? I applied to the new school, um, NYU. You know, Pace. You, did, you applied to Tish. Um. Yep. I mean, I did not get in. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I did not. I don't know if I expected to at all. Like, I don't think I expected to get into any of them, really. And yeah, you did. Well, how, how does that uh, shape a 22-year-old Abby Truitt uh, when you're, you know, going to finally be in the city studying acting and doing all this I that mean, you're doing? It was so exciting, but also horrifying. Like, for me, it was my dream to come here, you know, and mm. be living in Brooklyn and acting in Manhattan and having this whole life. And I had a dream of it. Exactly. It was very intimidating to me because I, it's so like, I take it so seriously, like almost to the point of like ridiculous amount of seriousness and like devotion. Almost. Yeah. Like it's like almost a religion to me or something like Mm. this thing where I like worship it. Like it's so sacred. So then it becomes like, Oh, well I'm not really good enough for this. Or like I was, I didn't feel good enough to like be at the actor's studio a lot of the time, but I still did learn an incredible amount and it helped me grow so much and it helped me be stronger and like have a more solid like confidence in myself you know like it helped you, me you, you speak with such confidence you you uh you know when you go through the ringer with uh, such a rigorous creative arts uh, program uh you know performing arts etc uh you know you're learning how to develop your poise develop your vocal in, in, mm. in, in intentions and uh, uh you know, inflections i should say <laughs> your vocal inflections your poise i like intentions the, though yeah it's nice. what, what are your vocal yeah. intentions little lady no um i think it's, it's no but it's i mean you your really, intentions 
intentions aren't saying what the words mean. But okay, but here's the question then: How did it not uh, transpire that uh, you were going to continue even at the casual level? Uh, is it just because you didn't want to work for nothing? Sort of. I mean, that's one reason. But I just realized over time the experience of it wasn't what I wanted. And when I learned that, especially for Broadway, you know, you have to go on tour to yeah. like become equity and stuff like that, and to like really like build this you know, this business of yourself that mm. you're trying to create. I just thought like, I can't do that. Like I, I'm very, I need to be like in a place that's like grounded. Like I need to say like, this is my home. This is where I live. I'm always living here. I don't just like go leave and go to this place, you know? And also like, I realized I knew that I did want to have a relationship sometime. Not necessarily kids. No, but I wanted to be able to know that like I can have a long-term relationship where it's not a fight and struggle to try to make it work because I'm always off mm. going somewhere. And I guess I just realized that mattered more to me, um, which I kind of hate because <laughs> I feel like it sounds like a sellout. But I think it's not that I'm giving up because I still want to do stuff. But I, I think I kind of have been taking a break to like figure out how yeah. to survive or just, you know, recalculating. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's the I perfect mean, way to say it. But figuring out what works for you. I mean, I know exactly. I know so many actors who have been in that struggle for so long and just found out that it was mm. the opposite of what they were expecting and the opposite of what they wanted. And now yeah. they're doing great work at theaters that are either just in L.A. or just mm -hmm. in New York or just in Chicago. Exactly. So you can you can do both. Yeah. Thank you. I do agree. So I do have a plan. You have kind a plan. Of. I guess. So, well, I mean, I'm going to school for um, becoming a hairstylist now. Yes. And I'll be done really soon. This month, I graduate. Oh, my God. Hey. <laughs> ow, ow. I can't even believe it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Many, <laughs> well, many a career change. I mean, look, I mean, I think all of us here around the table are in some capacity uh, making some kind of ends to uh, support what we do on a passionate tip Indeed. Uh, effectively i know you know whatever we decide to do is not necessarily what we love to do but we know that we can be good at it in order to give us that free time to have fun to play but you don't yeah. play anymore though do you um well i mean that's the thing about the hairstyling basically i had to give up a lot of the things because some of the stuff like you have to go really far for it or like you have to pay money and it's like I've run out of money a while ago, you know, so I've been trying to go to school and like build everything up again. I mean, I plan to go back to my amazing voice teacher, Wasandria Woolsey. That's a, good, that's a good Woolsey. voice now. I know. A good voice teacher. She's incredible. Awesome voice, huh? her I love her. Exercise. <laughs> yeah, she's so magical. <laughs> I will go back to her. Um, but I, I plan to slowly like reintroduce the things I love. But the fact is like hair, like I was doing hair just for fun. Ever since I was probably like three years old, like I was doing French braids on like everybody's oh, hair. I was cutting my um, New Jersey best friend's hair like all through middle school in like layers and like face framing and like all this stuff. Um, I did her makeup for her wedding. I did Alon's wife's uh, makeup what? and hair True for their story. wedding. What? Um, and, and Robin reminded me that like one time I actually fixed her hair. Because she'd gotten a cut at like a real place yeah. and it was bad and she was like, Abby, help. And then I like came help and fixed me. it. Something I love to do, Aww. you know? So it's fun and it makes people feel beautiful and you get to connect with them in a real way. And like the reason I wanted to do acting was to like be there. Be present. Give people something, like have them watch me and like feel understood. And I can do that one-on-one -on -one, like all day. 
you know what I mean? And I'm also kind of performing and like giving them a fun experience. Catherine, was that ever something that uh, you uh, gravitated towards when you were performing that you were able to give somebody that kind of catharsis? Yes, definitely. Uh, even not just performing, but like curating events or like emceeing mm-hmm. events just yeah. in general. There was one show that I did where I decided how I wanted people to feel. I wanted people to cry at this one point and one person cried and that was like my happiest accomplishment in the show. What kind of show was it? Comedy. It was comedy (laughs) and you made them laugh. That's great. I made them cry. That's that's what I wanted. I wanted fucking tears. There you go. (laughs) Tears of sadness. Yeah, no. Despite the uh, implications that you were at a comedy show to laugh. Yeah, no, I was like, and at this point in the show, I want someone to cry. Like, I want everybody to cry, but... You know, there better be tears. And there were tears. And I was Aww. like, yes, that's great. That's amazing. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. That's, that's, really that's, 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 a, that's a memory worth having. I like it a lot. I wish I, I, wish I could watch it. <laughs> <laughs> watch totally. it happening. See, now if it wasn't stage, you could. I know. But <laughs> it's is, nice to hear the, the story. I like the story. But also think of it this way. No one else, who was, every, everybody who was not in, in that room will never have that experience. And that's what makes it unique and mm. individual. And then Edward Norton came and said that he thought I was hot. Oh, you don't know what I'm <laughs> also true. Wondrous. Also true. Tapping into the human emotion uh, doesn't uh. doesn't hurt to have uh, you know the personal experiences. How would you describe your family life? My parents were into kind of performing within the home, so like they would be hmm. like in our kitchen. Yeah, you say your dad was singing. an actor. Yeah, and, and like mom my mom too? loved to sing, and like I mean I think she did some stuff, but she was more like a teacher and stuff. But anyway, she's an artist. Um, okay. Okay. Painter, like. So like creates did she did she teach art or was she a different kind of teacher? Um, she didn't teach art, but she taught like her specialty, like her master's was in early childhood education. Oh wow, okay. So she would teach like kindergarten, fourth grade, like those were her specialties. Wow. So, um, and she was awesome. Like she taught them science and like displacement theory and stuff when I was really little. Yeah, and she taught me when I was little. So it was interesting, like because my parents were very like they would just be like singing and dancing really loud, like all over the house, you know. And then there'd be me, and then I would like belt out stuff louder, and my poor brother would be like as far away. What's wrong with you people? Older or younger brother? Um, my younger. I have no older. Okay. So I'm the I'm the oldest. What's the what's of a the lot age of kids now? What's um, the age difference between all of them? My brother and I, it's like three okay. years. My parents got divorced like right after I graduated from grad school. So it was probably like 2010 or so. My dad is remarried and she has her kids. And there's a half brother who's like eight, Danny. How is Aww. it? Um. Is yeah. he cool? Do you like? Do you guys have a relationship? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, Danny is awesome. Danny is like a little me, and he'll just talk oh nonstop like me, and sing. He just makes up like jingles. I do that all the time. It's so cute, and I'll be like, "Oh my god!" Like, oh, that's what my parents were dealing with. <laughs> I was like, and that's what Mark <laughs> deals with, my boyfriend, <laughs> all oh. the time. That's what I'm like. So, but yeah, and the other kids are super cute. It's Allie and. Nathan, you have such um, a huge, wow. such a big family now. That's you were right? like you were like one of two, and now you've got and like Alex, and now it's like it's crazy. Yeah, what does Alex so, do, or what did so he get into? Alex is so he now lives right outside of Vegas in Henderson, Nevada. He's a software developer. Um, yep. he does like back end um software stuff, and he works for this company that's in New Jersey, so he works remotely. For, nice. So he makes like lots of money. And, and then lives in a home. place that's like the cheapest place, one of the cheapest places oh to live. Oh my God, that's brilliant. He's so smart. Oh. And I'm not like that. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not like that. <laughs> All of that checks out. Right? Yeah. Right? It He's the logical out. one. Yeah. Did you visit him a lot? Um, I've gone there. I mean, he also lived in Santa Cruz. I definitely went there. Oh, he lived, Santa he Cruz went to school in Florida. So gorgeous, right? Love Santa Cruz. Am I under the right impression that you don't travel very often? Um, not too much, but you know, I'm sure you can imagine that it might be from not having money. Right. Um, <laughs> no, that's fair. That would be that's the reason I love travel. So I really like look forward to days when I'm hopefully a very successful you know, hairstylist. Yes. Because apparently you can for real make money doing that in New York. So I'm looking know. forward to it. There's... You can even work on sets. Yeah. yeah. True. There's also... I, don't, I don't want to. Why? But... I, I know. Why not? Oh. Um, resentment and pain. Oh. <laughs> I know that sounds really oh. negative. I know, but I can't. It's not what I want to do. Well, like, then no. You know I wanna, what? Then I don't, wanna, don't, like... put that, don't put that burden on yourself. Yeah. Then. Like I just want to, like hair selling to me is like a very separate thing. Unless I was maybe going to be working as like a resident person somewhere, like mm. making wigs and like some kind of like specialist that's mm. like really gets to like do it, then I don't want to do it. I don't want to like sort of do it, mm. you know? That's you don't want to half ass it. You had the, the chutzpah to just throw everything to the side and try something new. Um, well, I mean, I owe it largely to your beautiful wife. No, no. I'm serious. Stop. No, she really? reminded me. I don't know. You should know. But anyway, should I, I tell it? I'll try not to make it long. Yeah, no. T- but, tell it to, to, um, the, to the table here since uh, she, it's not <laughs> something I know, evidently. This is, well, I don't know if she meant it. Like, I don't know if it was her intention, but Robin took me to this nail salon in Soho and I was unemployed like I had no money and she's like I'm taking you and I'm gonna treat you and I always would go to the cheapest nail salon or do my own nails including gel nails and she's like let's go it's so nice and it was like you know $50 for like each set of nails I'm like oh my god that's so much money I always pay like 18 20 whatever like the cheapest gel you know that you can get and she took me there and i was like oh my god this place is gorgeous it's really sophisticated and they're artists they're legit artists and i think her her showing me that just reminded me like oh i love doing nail art too like and then it kind of just started the ball rolling because i was asking Mm -hmm. the people who work there about like where they went to school and there's like these schools in new york city that are just for nail art countless countless like it's incredible. It's like a big thing now. Yeah. So I started looking into it and then there can, usually you could do beauty. You know, if you do cosmetology, you can do nails mm-hmm. too. So I was like, oh, I should just do that and then I'll do hair. But it was all because she showed me that there's a lifestyle of this that's like nice and sophisticated, you know, which I hadn't known because I always I never had the money to like go anywhere that nice, you know, that changed me. I don't know if she meant it to go that way but she's huh. she, she's a, a wonderful woman that i could vouch for uh is uh is good at uh treating her friends right when it comes to uh times of hardship Aww. definitely i, I want to roll it back to something Catherine asked before would you really be that averse to doing wardrobe or makeup for an actual like broadway show oh no it's not that i have any aversion to working on anything like that like i love it like i work i did like all of it at salisbury like at salisbury my undergrad you know i was a like generalist major and i studied everything i did lighting design i designed lights for a show and like lit the whole show and like you know i like made costumes and so i did all kinds of stuff and i love doing it it's just i don't know if i want to do it 
professionally, especially because I've been told by various of my professors at the actor studio that if you work in one, then you can often just get like pinpointed for that. that. Like people field, just think yeah. that that's what you do. And then it can be hard to like go to the other one. So I guess I have a fear that if I did it, even though I would, I'm sure I would enjoy it, I could lose my chance to ever succeed in like my dream uh, that i've been trying for it's, it's you know? very similar it's very yeah. very similar in film sets it's very yeah you, you get you you can work up through the studio system and get a series of certifications but then you are just an electric and grip guy or you are just a they like guy. see you as what you've been doing right yeah right, right, right. and that's i mean yeah that i had yeah. a very very similar experience myself yeah i don't think that's the case i think that's just people being fearful really I think so. I think if you're good at what you do and then you're good at what you change and decide to do, like people will adjust. It's a small, small number of people I've ever seen actually do that. And it takes a shitload of work. But if you can, but if you can do it, more power to you. And if you work on set and they like you and you're the hair person or the wardrobe person, and you, they know that you wouldn't mind working in front of the camera or whatever. They're yeah. more likely to like give you a part for a day because it's like a day player than if you were to audition mm. through your agent you know what i mean like that's all that. true that's definitely a good point i mean at least like there's someone the they know yeah. true, you know? true, true. That, i do like that part of it for but sure keep in mind yeah. that's, that's definitely true on smaller sets that's definitely true on like non-union stuff because yeah. no union. it's also union i promise you on, on union stuff it, you need you well you'd have to have an agent and you'd have to have either no. a letter yeah you would you'd have no, to have either wouldn't. a letter right if the director decides that they want to do something they just do it it's happened i've fucking seen it also i i believe her because honestly i believe her is a better phrase and two um hey ah! right i brought it back and also because nice. it just sounds like something that a director would do in 2019 like i don't give a fuck whatever like it's not like his old it's not like the old school way of doing it anymore i not feel like google woody harold uh, woody I, allen i have ne woody like allen definitely did like a, absolutely but i have ne i have i have heard one story of a person who was a hair and wardrobe person being asked to be put in front of the camera. Yeah. I've definitely heard of people like that. I've seen people like that move to camera roles or move to mm. other production roles, but they tended to be PAs and they tended to be people who were just starting out in that and wanted to progress to something else. PAs yeah. are malleable. What, say what? PAs are malleable. Exactly, exactly. That's so they're, so that you can, so you can mm. sort of basically make them do whatever the fuck you want. But I've never personally witnessed somebody being asked to go from cassette deck or I mean I mean in terms of like you know dressing sets in terms of people who are like doing creative roles as part of the production team yeah. as opposed to like electrics and opposed to you know grips and shit I've, I've like those guys can transition but I've never seen somebody who worked in one of those roles being asked to be put in front of the camera mm. and that. if they had to puppeteer something that they made they would then get on air oh yeah they'll get anybody <laughs> <laughs> I mean like if you made something that was hard to use and like you somehow had to be on mm. camera to use the thing yeah. then you get credit for that probably more than if you were just background because you're yeah. part of the family would you ever do another show Abby oh my god yeah in a heartbeat I would do it like right now you know, like, especially if it was a musical yeah, and there was tap dancing. I'm not really <laughs> that good, but I would practice like all the time. The specific asks would be sound amazing. I think What's it called? La La Land 2 coming up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yo, As uh, long as it's on stage, though. Not, I don't want to really? do the, I don't do 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 the film. I just Why? don't want to. Like, I'm, I don't have any training in it. All my expression is so large, Big which body. obviously no one can see right now. But my face just gets like crazy big and my eyes are like, you know, like really big. And I don't know. I don't really know how to tone it down for like film. I don't think I want to. That it's was, not really for me. That was my biggest complaint about theater. The mm. face. 
the theater face. I can do it. I can do it all day. No, I, I got do it all I'm night. Totally. I got to say, I love that. I'm totally, always. I'm totally with Catherine on this. When I first started out, I was like, why would I want to be that big if I really just appreciate the subtlety of being on film? <laughs> yeah. But, but Catherine's doing, Catherine's doing these faces right now all the faces. for our audience. But, no, but, I, but I will say that like, but, that, like, believe it or not, doing improv, doing improv and the sort, and the sort of like the lazy is the sort of, the sort yeah. of like media dell'arte style stuff that's just sort of naturally ingrained in that. I gained a new appreciation for it when I was a theater undergrad. Mm-hmm. I was just sort of like, this is this is going to be only applicable in such a rare number of situations that I don't really care that much. Yeah. Whereas it wasn't until I did improv that I was like, nope, I was wrong. You, Abby, saying that uh, you're not much of an improviser is a perfect segue into the next segment where, where we got some uh, surprises in store for the listener coming right up after this break. And stick around with this word from RFB. And then afterwards, we got our gal for the week, Miss Abby Truitt, joining Catherine, Will, and myself. This is Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Stick around. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 non-for-profit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radiofreebrooklyn.org donate. Every cent helps us continue to stay on the air, so please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. We're back. Hi, Abby. Hello there. Abby Truitt is our guest this week for Lost and Rewound. And if you want to listen to our past episodes for the show, you can do so at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash LIR. All of our episodes are up on the megaphone drop-down player, uh, pop-up player, which you can see right there. Or pop-in? I don't know. I don't know if it's a pop-in or drop-in, drop-out, whatever the case is. At the <laughs> below our description there on our profile page on RFE's site, you will see that there's all our episodes up. They should be up. If they're not, then you can email me directly at Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and complain. Or you could simply just pitch your idea for being on the show so you could do what Abby's doing here, being the brave soul she is, because she's about to contribute some of her own stuff. But we want to hear what you have, so email us and let us know what you have. If you want to hear any of our episodes outside of our website, you can do so at all relevant platforms uh, where you get your podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podomatic, and uh, Spotify. Yeah! Anyway, and Abby, just for a testament to our old list, to our potentially new guests, do we bite? Yes. Ah, she's being honest. You are totally giving away the secrets. It's more interesting. <laughs> if I say no, then they'll just be like, "Oh, okay." Trial by fire here at Lost. <laughs> Nothing's Every going wild. on there. All right, so we, we <laughs> yeah. te- so we teased this before. Tell us about Good Morning Garden State. Okay, oh, so my God. this is a classic relic. My brother and I made this. Oh my God, like. I guess I was like just in high school. So my brother would have been like in middle school. And we made this. We we always just made stuff. We used to make radio shows, which unfortunately I don't have. But oh, um, no. I know. Isn't that sad? They were awesome, I think. <laughs> but well, when then, was the last time you heard them? Uh, probably when we made them. So nice. they're probably not good. Nice. So they're probably amazing. Uh, <laughs> or they might be incredible. You know, <laughs> I'm with Will on that one. Yeah. Um, but this one is one that like has kind of gone through my family. Like even like my aunts and uncles have seen it. Like people are always like, oh my God, it's like a fan favorite within the fam. Aww. You know? Yeah. It's Good Morning Garden State. We decided to make it like as this New Jersey news show. 
but it takes place at 2 a.m. Welcome to Jersey. It's 2 a.m. Yeah. And my brother and I decided to make be characters that are opposite our personalities. So because like, I'm related to each other. Yeah, kind of. Like, <laughs> his is a little bit more like crazy than mine, I think. But like my regular, but like he's I'm being the straight man and like he's being like the like really showy like but it's unfortunately it's a lot of physical comedy but there is that's okay there's that's still great more radio, you're you know? here we're here for yeah. we'll be here to uh, paint that picture for the listener yeah <laughs> but in the meantime that sounds good first clip Wow, and he was so hot too. 
Whatever. Apparently, DiCaprio invented a burger. Oh my yeah. God! I must have predicted it. You did. I predicted it. Are you dead? You did it. I, um, I left and became a food critic after so much injury. You're on an impact that made me famous. I kept falling off a really tall. I'm really bad at dialects, except the exact received pronunciation right. of British. But Just anyway, do what Will does. fell off. The same fell off. There you go. There you go. That really I, tall ship. I just fell off a really tall <laughs> ship. That sounds like a beetle. No, that's, that's, that's a liver. No, that's, that's my Liverpool. That's my Liverpool. Liverpool <laughs> this is my wacko from Manomaniacs. Another Liverpoolian, but a little <laughs> I mean, more. That does sound a bit. That sounds a bit. That does sound a bit. Um, 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 Ringo, doesn't it? That sounds a bit Ringo, doesn't it? A little bit Ringo. A bit, a yes. Bit Ringo, yeah. Okay, so what did we just see? <laughs> Let's talk about first off, okay, wonderful. first off, a a crash <laughs> zoom on on a Good Morning Garden State backdrop that was wonderfully hand drawn, and then a slow zoom out, and then a, and then a pause to establish both of you, and then a zoom in on <laughs> each of you. One that missed the first <laughs> name know. tag, panned over to your brothers, <laughs> pulled all the way out. Moved over a little bit and then and then zoomed all the way in just to get your tape tag oh, right. Man. I was, know. That it's pretty wonderful. solid, that, right? that, that was a good play-by-play. Play. Oh, wow. I like that. Very <laughs> accurate. And, uh, Except I said pan instead of zoom out on one you've of those. Got, I like pan, though. You've got bangs for days. You really do. I know. I used to have them. I hated them. And today, it would be hashtag bangs for days. Hashtag bangs. <laughs> but not then. It, it should have been pound bags for days. I don't know what happened to the pound sign being... Excuse me? Hashtag tic-tac-toe. Yeah, there yeah you go. pound is faster to say. It's more but, efficient. But hashtag sounds more official, doesn't it? Yeah. Because pound just it makes it kind of trite, right? Or it seems like you're punching something. Yeah. Right. Pound, believe her. <laughs> pound <laughs> time's up pound me too <laughs> yeah oh, yes pound me i too. like that one i think that one we need to start using that one to like bring it back well, uh, i right. feel like pound me too goes against yeah exactly <laughs> exactly pound that's why too. i said it <laughs> me too pound me too <laughs> Weinstein, where are you? Oh dear! All right, no, no. Pound time is over, Weinstein. Pound time is over. Pound, pound time is over. <laughs> this okay? This is great. So your brother is like consciously falling over to you know uh, heighten the absurdist uh, character that he is playing in this uh, newscast. Yes. Uh, okay. The first thing, what was it? Uh, the athlete's foot, no, and the then cows. Then the athlete's foot. Yes. Yeah. And then cows, athlete's foot, and then candy pyramid, which was great. The fact that at the top of the pyramid <laughs> is the stuff that you're not supposed to get. No, and, I also, and also, I love the long, uh, so just, just going with the great camera angles here, the like <laughs> pause. He zooms in as the kid is getting up from the table. So we're just sort of seeing random ass shit. We don't know what's going on until he gets close enough to the camera yeah. to see that he's actually holding something. That's the classic. That's like what you live for now, <laughs> you know? Me anyway, you know? We your, don't have that anymore. Your, so your oh, no. father is videotaping this, and did he consult on this, or was he just videotaping, and were you and Alex the sole contributors for this uh, uh, creation? I think Alex and I wrote the whole script and like created all the like backdrops Are and everything. Are you serious? Yeah. Um, because we were always making shows like I ever since was, we were really little. My first, my first was, thought like, on normal. that was like stage parents. My first thought on that yeah. was like, "You're gonna make this show. And it's gonna be amazing." I mean, wow, my no, parents I got a different vibe entirely. Yeah. Really? I was like, oh, this is what it's like when you have a family. Oh, oh, oh that makes me really oh, sad Catherine. when you say that. <laughs> You're making me sad again. Good. I like making people cry. Oh yeah, you're right. Comedy. That's your goal. <laughs> 
Comedy is pain. I think we should continue on. Austin Powers. Yeah, baby, yeah. You didn't think I was going to fall again, did you? No. Austin Powers is the movie of the summer. The spot who shagged me is the real knee clapper. But it isn't playing anymore. Oh. Go see the Blair Witch Project. Okay. Oh, by the way, guys, the show of the year 2000 is Guys and Dolls. Yes, sir, when you see a guy, reach the stars and shut up! Okay, now it's time for this just in. But we have a commercial break and we'll be back after this message from our sponsor. You have, Jack. If you're not sure, just assume you do and buy. I'm serious, Jack Pepper. It works against gas, unlike females. It's like a gas eating raccoon scrambling throughout your digestive tract. Jack, I'm serious, Jack Pepper. For when you're not kidding about Jack. In your mouth now, look for the can with a retarded My brother created like an art version of the entire label. In the video, of this... he's holding up this stick with a label on it. And because of, unfortunately, a just the limitations of the technology. Fair point. It's a big pill bottle. <laughs> we can't see as the viewers anything that's on that label. But your younger brother took yes. the time to literally draw and design that entire label as he was describing it. Yeah, and it. he's such a great artist. So I'm kind oh, of like no. sad that we can't see it. Because he also was like comedic in his art too. Yeah. You know, so it would be funny. We had a little mention of Austin Powers, and then uh, you did a very uh, shameless plug for your show that you were doing. I, I, yeah, I was, the set I was obviously in Guys and Dolls, like basically right then. So, <laughs> and your brother was like, yeah. "We gotta shut this down right yeah. now." And that's what we're like, we're like in real life. Like I used to always belt out musicals, and he'd be like, "Shut up." Like yeah, yelling I mean, that's at a, me. I thought, I thought that that's was stage because that, that was a very that was a very comfortable reaction to your little brother saying, "Shut up." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really clever the fact that anybody could have taped this, and your dad was like, "Yeah, let's just make this a TV show." And yeah. well, let's pitch this to the to to like the local access. <laughs> Wait, so did New you have, So did you did did that? Well, like, the thing that comes up in improv a lot is the sort of like childlike sense of play. Mm. And you guys definitely seem like like that's a developed sense of play. You know what I mean? You guys have mm. clearly been playing in that way together for a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely did improv stuff, but I I just feel like. All my memories of like improv as it's called improv, mm -hmm. you know, were from like the actor studio where we would be like, oh, here's this like suicidal scene. You're going to do an improv of the scene as the characters. That's what we would always do. So gotcha. like that was what I did. And it wasn't it wasn't to me like the playful thing that like I like to think of as, mm. you know, the improv that I would want to be experimenting with, I mm. guess. So it's not that I don't have any experience with it, of course, but it's more of like. I just feel like my experience with it is kind of like dark and weird. Like kind of too dark. Not like you're kind of dark. <laughs> Not like the kind where you're trying to just make people cry because you're funny. 
<laughs> maybe maybe I said that wrong. I didn't mean no, it like that. No, you said it absolutely right. <laughs> no, you said it perfectly. You said it perfectly. I hope that's what you want. My, no, no. Com- <laughs> my comedy has a new form of comedy. Oh my God. It's meant to cause pain. Okay. <laughs> pain. Okay. Comedy of pain. For our next exhibit, shall we say, exhibit B, we are going to listen to you uh, doing the importance of being earnest. Year? Oh, um... 2003, 2004? Uh, no. It's probably like 2002. Yeah. Okay. 2002. Let's, fall here. 2002. Here we go! Horrid political economy! Horrid geography! Horrid, horrid German! I'm Mr. Ernest Poiling. He's just driven over in the station. He has brought his luggage with him. Mr. Ernest Worthing, B4, the Albany West. Uncle Jack's brother. Did you tell him Mr. Worthing was in town? Yes, miss. He seemed very much disappointed. I mentioned that you and Miss Prism were in the garden. He said he was anxious to speak to you privately for a moment. Ask Mr. Ernest Worthing to come here. I suppose you'd better talk to the housekeeper about a room for him. Yes, miss. I've never met any really wicked person before. I feel rather threatened. That part is good. You're wearing <laughs> quite the garb there. That is a beautiful. That yeah. is a beautiful setup. That was constructed the for board. me. <laughs> All for you. No, the dress. That's oh, absolutely I mean, true. That was a costume. Me. That's amazing. Yeah, that, that, our costume department was really wonderful. Great, great. That's it was crazy. wonderful. I loved it. Could you describe the the story in a nutshell? <laughs> the elevator pitch of um, the importance of being Ernest. Well, there are two men who are pretending to have the name of Ernest uh, because they realize that. The women who they are possibly interested in think that that name is like the most desirable name for a man. <laughs> okay. Aiden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See? That's this would, yours would be the importance of being Aiden. Right. Um so yeah, but anyway. Um and it's a play on words, obviously, the importance of being yes, earnest, yes. where they're all often being like lying and like when are they being truthful and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Never. So and it's just men. like very it's almost like farcical. It's almost farcical. Um, but yeah, basically in the end, like it's just all these like different pairings going back and forth, and then finally like everyone's happy and it ends in a tableau, like incredibly staged and like everybody's mad. It's exactly everybody's like happy. it's one of my favorite kinds of things. What we're gonna do right now is we are about to begin on another installment of clip reenactment theater. Before we begin Clip Reenactment Theater Part 3, I do believe. You're such an asshole. We are going to watch the scene, and then we are going to perform it. After serious consideration, I've decided entirely to overlook my nephew's conduct to you. That is very generous of you, Lady Bracknell. My own decision, however, is unalterable. I decline to give my consent. Uh-oh. Come here, sweet child. Pray 
excuse me, Lady Bracknell, for interrupting you again, but I think that it is only fair to tell you that, according to the terms of her grandfather's will, Miss Carden does not come legally here, does she? Is 35. Oh. Oh. oh, I do not see that as a grave objection. 35 is a very attractive age. Why, London society is full of women, of the highest birth, from their own free choice have remained 35 for years. <laughs> Lady Dumbleton is a case in point. To my own knowledge, she's been 35 ever since she reached the age of 40, which was many years ago now. There's no reason why our sweet Stephanie should not be even more attractive at the age you've mentioned than she is at present. There will be a large accumulation of property. Algie, could you wait until I was 35? Of course I could, Cecily. You know I could. Yes, I felt it instinctively, but I couldn't wait all that time. I hate waiting even five minutes for anybody. It always makes me rather cross. I'm not punctual myself, I know, but I do like punctuality in others, and waiting, even to be married, is quite out of the question. And what is to be done, Cecily? I do not know, Mr. Moncrief. My dear Mr. Worthing, as Miss Cardew insisted positively that she cannot wait until she is 35, a remark which I feel bound to say seems to me to show a somewhat impatient nature, I beg you to reconsider your decision. But, but my dear Lady Bracknell, the matter is entirely in your own hands. The moment you consent to my marriage to Gwendolyn, I will most gladly allow your nephew to form an alliance with my ward. You are quite aware that what you propose is out of the question. That a passionate celibacy is all that any of us can look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the destiny I propose for Gwendolyn. Algernon, of course, can choose for himself. Oh. Come, dear. We've only been five and not six trains. To miss any more, I might expose us to comment on the platform. In this version of Clippery and Action Theater. Abby will be reprising her role as Cecily. Lovely. Thank Catherine, you. you will be Lady Bracknell. Is that the mouthy woman? <laughs> it, in yes. fact, it is. With all uh, the opinions. Um, yeah, I'll have uh, Will, you'll Beautiful. be playing Jack. And gotcha. then uh, I'll be playing, oh, how do you pronounce his name? Algernon. 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 Yeah. In this edition of The Importance of Being Earnest, as <laughs> recreated by the team of Lost and Rewound and their guest. Begin. Ahem, Mr. Worthing. After careful consideration, I have decided entirely to overlook my nephew's conduct to you. That is very generous of you, Lady Bracknell. Uh, my own decision, however, is is unalterable. I decline to give my consent. Come here, sweet child. H- how old are you, dear? Well, I'm really only 18. But I always admit to 20 when I go to evening parties. Well, you are perfectly right in making some slight alteration. Indeed, no woman should ever be quite accurate about her age. It looks so calculating. 18, but admitting to 20 at evening parties. Well, it will not be very long before you are of age and free from the constraints of tutelage. So I don't think your guardian's consent is, after all, a matter of any importance. Uh, Pray excuse me, Lady Bracknell, um, for interrupting you again, but it is only fair to tell you that according to the terms of her grandfather's will, uh, Miss Cardew does not come legally of age till she is 35. (gasps) 
That does not seem to me to be a grave objection. 35 is a very attractive age. London society is full of women of the very highest birth who have, of their own free choice, remained 35 for years. Lady Dumbleton is an instance in point. To my own knowledge, she has been 35 ever since she arrived at the age 40, which was many years ago now. I see no reason why our dear Cecily should not be even still more attractive at the age you mention than she is at present. There will be a large accumulation of property. Algy, could you wait for me till I was 35? Of course I would, Cecily. You know I would. Yes, I felt it instinctively. But I couldn't wait all that time. I hate waiting even five minutes for anybody. It always makes me rather cross. I'm not punctual myself, I know, but I do like punctuality in others. And waiting, even to be married, is quite out of the question. And what is to be done, Cecily? I don't know, Mr. Moncrief. My dear Mr. Worthing, <laughs> as Miss Cardew states positively that she cannot wait till she is 35, a remark which I am bound to say seems to me now to show a somewhat impatient nature. I would beg of you to reconsider your decision. But my dear Lady Bracknell, the matter is entirely in your, in, Jesus, is entirely in your own hands. The moment that you consent to my marriage with Glendolyn, I will most gladly allow your nephew to form an alliance with my ward. <laughs> you must be quite aware that what you propose is out of the question. Then a passionate can... Celibacy. Ah, then a passionate celibacy is all that any of us can look forward to. That is not the destiny I propose for Gwendolyn. Algernon, of course, can choose for himself. Come on, dear. We have already missed five if not six trains, to miss a Nemo would be, would might expose us to comment on the platform. And thus, we conclude another edition of Clip Reenactment Theater uh, featuring the players of Lost and wow. Rewound. Abby, you, you did it. You braved your fear of being on a podcast, and now here you are. You've made yeah, it. You've... I've overcome it, and now I can do anything. Abigail Truitt here this week on Lost and Rewound. Yay. Abby Truitt! Thank you! Thank you, Catherine, and thank you, Will, for joining for this edition of Lost and Rewound. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm here every week. I'm Alon, Lost and Rewound, signing out. Radio Free Brooklyn. saying as your grandfather, I will never wish you to have another man's penis in your vagina ever. Mm. Unless, of course, we could do a negotiation uh, in which you could have a penis in your vagina should I get what I want. But Lady Blacknell, <laughs> I mean, I mean, my God, the situation is entirely in your own hands. You could simply say, go out, have a night of it. I'm aware that I'm a madam and a pimp, but I do like complaining. <laughs>